Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Grab your Bibles. Going to uh, let the Word just uh, work in you today. We're going to be reading a little bit and share some things that God's put on my heart uh, for just this time that we're in, this season right now. Um, the I want to talk to you and share with you today about uh, consecration and uh, the call to consecration as God's people, amen, and, um, and fitting with just where we're at right now as a church family of corporately uh, doing this 21-day fast and pressing into the heart of God and um, so, so this is where today's today's day five. If you started the fast, if you didn't, then start today. Um, seek the Lord on it. But but here we are corporately. Um, so I want I want to I want to encourage you about what this time of consecration could look like, and then also share with you um, that it should it, that consecration isn't a calling uh, just for a, a window of time. Amen. It's it's a, it should be our lifestyle and all that we do, and then yet there are seasons where corporately God would call His people together for a corporate time of of resetting and aligning, aligning and consecrating. And so, uh, just want to share share this just with you today. But uh, let me, let me can I just say something about fasting real quick? Um. Uh, because if you don't understand fasting, fasting can be really frustrating to you, and and um, it, it will just it'll leave you frustrated, um, and it shouldn't. Um, so so let me just say this real quick: fasting isn't designed to move God. Fasting is designed to move you. See the difference. So if you're just fasting to move God, you're like at the end of this, going to be like, why did I do this? It's going to be frustrating. It's going to feel a little empty. And, um, and so it's really important. You are not going to impress God with your, with your supernatural fasting. Right? Um, he, he sees what you do in private and He'll reward you openly. He, because He's a good God. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, the Scripture says. But I want you to get in this mindset of fasting because I'm fasting to move me. I'm fasting to move me off my throne, right? And get Him higher on His throne in my life. Like I'm fasting to die to more of myself, to let more of me go, to heal more, right, than I've been healed, to let more hurt go than what I've let go. Come on, man, to, to whatever that it is, whatever that we're carrying, whatever that's not in alignment with the kingdom of God and releasing His anointing, right? Like this is, this is what we're doing in fasting as we're separating, we're killing our flesh, we're spending time with Him, we're sacrificing things, and we're in pursuit, right? And the whole purpose in, in, in a nutshell is that you, you put yourself in a position of being dependent upon the Lord. Anyways, I want to talk about, is everybody good with that? Amen? Okay. All right. Um, so consecration. Um, God, God moves in, on, and through people who are set apart for Him. 
Amen? People who are set apart. So just like fasting isn't designed to move God, it moves us. If we want God to move on us, then we've got to move. There's a cost to living under the anointing of God in your life. There's a cost to it. There's a cost to deep intimacy. Come on. Just like a natural intimacy with people or friendships or whatever that it is. There's a cost to get to that depth. There's a pursuit. There's, there's things that have to be done. There's a relationship that's growing and talking and all these different things. But guys, are you, everybody with me? Because God's calling us to a place of moving. Right? Like, stop, stop just praying for change because you're the change. But for you to change, you've got to move. We've got to begin to do some things differently. So I feel like God's calling us to move and recognizing that there's a cost to the anointing of God on our lives. We want an increased anointing. We want what we experienced this morning and the glory of God calling. All of that stuff comes at a cost of, of consecration and pursuit of the King of Glory. And pursuit of putting ourselves in position for Him to be able to work in us and through us and on us. Everybody good? Uh, there's a cost, a lifestyle of consecration. Now let me just re- give you a few verses. I'm going to uh, re- jump into the Old Testament with you and share some things with you in there and I'll, and I'll give you a word that the Lord gave me. But, um, you know, this, this Sermon on the Mount, but Matthew 5 and 6. I'm just going to quote a few things and I want you to turn with me. But Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. How many want to be filled? Well, feeling comes through you moving. So the fulfillment comes from those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And when you're hungry and thirsty for something, you're not just going to wait for that thing to come to you. You're going to go get it. Right? Like you're going to get up and you're tangibly going to go after that thing and you're going to grab a hold of it. The greater that your desire is for that thing to obtain, the greater your pursuit of that thing is going to be. The harder your fight is going to be to get that thing. The more people you're going to be willing to push aside, if you have to, to get a hold of that thing. And all of that pursuit is based out of our desire. God's calling us to move so that our desire increases because ultimately He wants to move in you. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Um, okay, so we're talking about... Uh, let me read say this. Galatians 5, because I'm talking about a cost. I'm talking about a cost for the church to live in this place where you're living under the anointing of God. And in Galatians 5, we're familiar with this, so I'm not going to read all these verses for time reasons, but it talks about this battle of the flesh and the Spirit, right? Don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. And it begins to list these things. And it talks about, in there, Paul does about this battle of the flesh and the Spirit. How many you know there's still a battle today in the flesh? How many you know there's always going to be a battle with your flesh until you go be with the Lord? So there needs to be a, an understanding of the separation that, there's a, that, that, that the old man is gone and that we're to live and walk as this new man in Christ and that truly we're a new creation in Him and so then we're born again but in that state there's still flesh. Come on. Can we just be real? 
So we can't nonchalantly just be walking through life as a new man and not recognizing the flesh that's warring against us all the time. Everybody okay? Okay, stay with me. So, so, so Galatians 5 is talking about this, but then here's something I wanted you to see. In verse 24, it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and with this desire. You, you, you know what, what this is saying? We do this. We do this. We crucify the flesh. With the help of the Lord and repentance and, and calling out to Him and through confession as, as we heard about Wednesday and all these different things, the Lord comes in. And, you know, how many know you can't clean yourself? So as we call upon Him, He does that work. But you see throughout the Scriptures, Jesus said, listen, resist the devil. Like He's not going to resist the devil for you. So we've got to learn how to walk in such a way to protect the anointing of God that we're resisting the things of the world. And then ultimately, as, as it says in Galatians, is that if you're going to walk in the Spirit, that there's a continual crucifying of the flesh because the deeper you go in God, the more the enemy is going to cause, try to cause your flesh to rise up. So we're always, no, 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 the desires of my flesh. Let my desire for God increase. That's why consecration is so important because the more you put yourself into a place of consecration, the more you want God, then you do the things that aren't of God. And it causes you to lock eyes with Him. Is everybody tracking with me this morning? But this is something we do. We do it daily. It's consecration. It's crucifying the flesh. Amen? It means to live in, to live in, to protect the Spirit. The anointing of God on you is to be, it's to be set apart. Paul urges um, uh, the church into a lifestyle of consecration. And it's Romans 12 and 1 and 2, and we know this, but when you really look at this, this is an urging. This is an urging for the church of living this lifestyle every moment of every day of consecration. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed or shaped to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Again, guys, this is our responsibility. God, God can't do this for us. Like He gave us the ability to do this on our own. To present ourselves to in a way that's pleasing to Him. Live our lives in a way that our lives and our bodies and our minds are living sacrifice unto the, unto the Lord. To hunger, to hunger and hunger and thirst for righteousness. Which leads us then to this place of consecration. And we're doing it corporately right now. It's like a... You know, I keep on I keep on bringing up this statement that we're we're dethroning ourselves and we're enthroning God because that's just the image that I've had in my mind through all this stuff and and none of us typically just try to enthrone ourselves. But how many know we enthrone ourselves? 
We enthrone ourselves with our time, with the things that we put before God, like little by little. Now we want Him there on, 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 you know, standby, right? Like, you know, number one on the phone, God. I'm just like, I need you. I'm going to do this real quick speed dial. But, but we still, through time, we have a tendency little by little to get out of alignment and we end up, we end up enthroned more than we need to or should even be in our walk with God. And that's why these, these things throughout the year individually that you just do to like, to like just get a, a clear reflection of yourself before the Lord. And then what we do corporately is like, God, we're just aligning corporately as we move into this year, God. We're aligning. We want to be dethroned and we want to enthrone you in this house, God. I don't want, I don't want one plan, one mission, one vision, or one thing going out of this church that's not of God. Amen? So I, would, I just want to be so in tune with Him. Is everybody okay? So I'm trying to just share my heart in this a little bit. But, um, so maybe I just want to talk about uh, what, it, what it means to consecrate, um, uh, to be set apart. And then I want to share some, some stuff from the Old Testament that the Lord gave me. But um, to consecrate. All right, what, what are you talking about, Pastor Scott? I mean, it means to. It means we're at this place to give priority to spiritual things over physical things. Like to give priority to the spiritual things over the physical things in our lives. To give priority to the spiritual things over our flesh. It is, is consecrating, is, it's removing whatever hinders us and is hindering us from being with Him and spending time with Him and getting close to Him. It's a, it's a, it's a conscious, willing decision to dedicate your soul, your mind, your heart, and your body to God. It is, it is, consecration is surrendering all that you have to Him. It's coming to this place. God, I've been busy. I've been, I've worried about this. I've worried about that. I let go of this maybe. God, I, I fell into this temptation. And you know, whatever that is, and it's, it's this place of knowing that we're coming into the presence of a holy God. And we want Him to do wonders in our life. And He does wonders in the lives of those who are set apart for Him. And then in that, then there's this cry out to God as we're saying, Lord, I surrender all that I have to you. It is, it's having a, it's having a, a childlike trust in the Lord in full obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's just like that child just follows mom and dad around. They don't need to know where they're going. They don't need an outline. They don't need a schedule. They don't, we do, but they don't. It's just a child. I know they're going to take me. I know we're going where we're supposed to go. And I know they're going to protect me. And I know they're going to provide for me. Right? Right? And it's like, God, consecration sometimes is getting ourselves and our mind like, like, like back transformed to where it's aligning with the heart of God, where we're having this childlike trust and faith to say, to go whenever He says to go. Amen? To adopt whenever He says to adopt. But God, our, our family is already growing. I mean, how are we going to handle this financially? Let me tell you something. When you put yourself in the position that the Maglingers did and you give God your yes when it doesn't make sense, God can do some crazy things. And he's calling us into this place of, of that type of faith in all of us to just say, God, I trust you. I fully, fully trust you. Uh, and again, it's dethroning, dethroning yourself. It's in enthroning uh, Jesus as Lord of your life. When I think about everything that we're doing right now, and I feel like what God's calling us to, um, 
The heart of it is dependency. Okay, if I could speak to all of the parents for just a moment and say, um, don't, don't rob your children from the spiritual realm. Don't do it. Teach them what we're doing. They're hearing us talk about fasting. We're on 21 days. They're mad at you because you're not going to Los Bravos today. So, it's, you know, it's just not as fun. Right? And, um, but, 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 but how about we teach them why we're doing it and get them part of that so that they're learning what they're giving before their Lord. And then you can have family time even that's just set apart for God just to call on His presence and study the Word of God or whatever that it may be. But I really encourage you guys to, to teach your children you know, why we do some of the things we do. Why do we, why, why do we take up tithe? Why do we give our tithe? Why are we, why are we in this season of consecration and, and just really let it, let it become a, a, a something that, that, you, that you're pulling your, your children into. But it's really about dependency. You know, one thing I learned about in fasting when we do this 21-day fast is how, um, how emotionally dependent that I am on food. Anybody else? Right? Like, I'm pretty stubborn, hard-headed guy. I can force myself not to do something. I can. But... But it doesn't mean I'm happy. And so I learn how dependent I am even on, the, on, on that blessing of the Lord to be able to enjoy such wonderful food like we do. Um, I learned through this 21-day fast how dependent I am to fellowship. Because I really miss time together outside of here like lunch and, and things like that with the people of God that you don't really go do during the 21-day fast because you don't want to go sit there and smell food. So, you know... Uh, well, we do things here, but I learn these things. All those things are good. Food's good. Fellowship's good. It's all that kind of stuff. But when I fast, it helps me. Again, I begin to dethrone myself and I begin to enthrone Him. And it begins to put us in a place where we understand that He has got to be. For anything to have life in it, He's got to be the source of it. Okay. Um, just one more thing. Um, and we're going to dive, uh, we're going to jump into second Kings and we're going to be in Exodus. And then I'll probably be out of time after that. But, um, but here's Philippians three, cause I'm talking about how there's a cost. There's a cost to consecrate. There's a cost to living set apart. There's a cost to fasting for 21 days up and giving up things that we really enjoy in, in this pursuit of, 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 of us moving where we need to be for God to work on us, in us. Philippians three, Paul says, in verse 7 through 11, it says, What things were gained to me, these I've counted a loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm just like, I mean, Paul understood this. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is, is, is through faith in Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to to his death guys isn't this powerful and it's like this is the heart of consecration this is the heart of 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 getting yourself in position where where you see where god moves on people that are set apart for him 
Amen? And it's like Paul lived his life this way. And here he says, guys, I've, I've, suffered, I've, I've suffered the loss of all things. And yet everything that I've lost, I count it rubbish compared to what I'm gaining in Christ every day that I pursue Him with all my heart. Like everything that I lost, every relationship, maybe every, every friendship that, that was going the wrong direction that I, I knew wasn't God, that I had to let go, every habit, every hurt, every pain. He says, I lost, I've, I've suffered a lot of loss, but all of that loss, everything that I've given up is rubbish compared to the revelation that I'm gaining in the King in intimacy with Him. That's why God's calling us to. Amen. Amen. Um, Praise Jesus. Can I just say that He wants to do amazing things in you? My God wants to do amazing things in and through your life. Our job is consecration. That's our part of it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Okay. All right. You guys good? Can you give me just a little bit more? Okay. So, <clears throat> I was I was going to preach last week, and uh, but then um, I, I really I, I know the Holy Spirit Spirit was telling me that Lori wasn't 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 finished yet releasing what she had, so I I wanted her to come and do that, and um, so I've had I've had this kind of working in my spirit for a couple weeks now, but um, I was just sitting in the hospital one day and I was I was reading through the scriptures on my phone, and I'm going to share some of it with you, but. Um, and um, so this is what I heard the Lord say. I'm just going to share it with you. I, feel, I know it's for me. I feel like it's for you. I feel like it's for all of us. But I was sitting there and I heard the Lord say, stop being satisfied with the residue when you can be filled with the source. Stop being satisfied with the residue. Have you ever gotten residue on you from something? We like residue a lot of times. It's good residue. We like that. But, but God said, stop being satisfied with the residue when you can have the source. A lot of people will chase after uh, other anointed people rather than do the labor to get anointed themselves. Turn, turn in your Bible to uh, 2 Kings real quick. And um, 2 Kings in chapter 2. I'm still, I'm still talking about consecration, but I'm, I'm also talking about not settling. Now I'm not talking about about not being satisfied with with the residue from an old meeting, from the residue from an old revival service, the residue from an old conference, the residue from an old encounter that you had with God. As great as those milestones are to look back on, to be encouraged by, and. Uh, for time reasons, I would I, I can't read all that I want to read in here, and so I'm believing that you guys all have read your Bibles and are familiar with this story just a little bit. But um, in Second Kings chapter two, it's talking about Elijah and Elijah, and um, Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven, and. Um, so, so let me just share these with you. Let's jump in. I'm just going to read at verse one. You guys ready? Get your Bible. Okay. Second Kings in chapter two, verse one, and it came to pass that when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, <clears throat> that, Eli- that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. Now watch this. Then Elijah said to Elijah, "Stay here, please, 
For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elijah and says to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Verse 4. Well, then Elijah says to him again, Elijah, stay here. Please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But Elijah says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him, "Um, do you know that the Lord take away your master from over you today? And he answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Verse 6, then Elijah says to him, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And then Elijah Elijah took his man on, he rolled it up, and he struck the river with it, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two crossed over on dry ground. How many you know God can make a way when you're where you need to be? And so it was that when they had crossed over, that Elijah says to Elijah, all right, you wouldn't leave me, right? <laughs> he kept on saying, Elijah, I need to go here, you stay here. Elijah's like, no, I'm not leaving you. You're carrying something that I want. So now it comes back around and Elijah asks and he says, um, uh, uh, what, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elijah says, let me, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, then it shall not be. Verse 11. Then it happened as they continued on and they talked. Then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now Elijah saw this because he was there. Everybody say he was there. Elijah saw it and he cried out. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took, he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into pieces. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and, and he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and he said, uh, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elijah crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets uh, who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah. I'm going to have to stop right there. Isn't that a powerful story? Come on. How many of you know y'all need to have an Elijah in your life? There need to be some people that you can look at and you can say they've been tried, they've been tested, they've been through the fire, they protected themselves, they live a consecrated life, the anointing as God is on them, and I want to double portion the spirit that's on them. And you do whatever you got to do to stay connected. But then there's a time that, that, that you got to walk as Elijah and I begin to operate in the own anointing that God puts on your life. Come on, somebody. You learn from both of them that they live consecrated lives set apart for God with their ear turned to Him all the time saying, Lord, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? It's beautiful to me. 
Elijah now asks, what, what is it that may, may I do? I want a double portion of your spirit. The interesting thing about this is, uh, when you look in the Scripture, you'll see that, that, there's, that there's 14 miracles that Elijah did that are recorded in the Scripture. 14. You know how many miracles are recorded in the Scripture that Elijah did? 28. All I'm saying is, Elijah, Elijah wasn't going to be satisfied with the residue that was on Elijah. He fed from it. He got underneath it. He stayed with it. But he's like, I'm getting to the source of that. Come on, somebody. Okay. You good? Okay. I feel like I'm kind of hitting a whole bunch of different things today. I hope I'm not confusing you. I want to talk about Moses and Joshua for a minute, and I'll close with this if that's okay. I mean, I probably will anyways, but it's good to have your support. Exodus 33. Moses and Joshua. Exodus um, 33. And man, I just want to read so much more. But let me let me get to the meat of this, okay? Because we know God's called uh, called God called Moses right to lead, to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and we understand uh, the journey and the path and the stiff necked people that he had to deal with and all these different things. But but I want but pay close attention in chapter thirty three, uh, beginning in verse seven. God's commanded him to come down from Sinai. And in verse 7 it says that Moses took his tent and he pinched it outside of the camp. Consecration is about being set apart. And sometimes you've got to get away from the normal. The people were stiff-necked and they had... Anyways... You just got to read this, guys. Moses took his tent and he pinched it. He pinched it out, outside the camp, far from the camp. How many know Jesus withdrew regularly to get alone? Far from the camp and called it the tab. Now watch this. So he withdrew far from the camp and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord... Now watch this. So here, he, he establishes this tabernacle of meeting way outside of the camp. But then it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. The people knew where to go. And so it was that whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, each man... Now watch this. They were, they were comfortable with the residue. So it was that whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, each man stood at his tent door, and he watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And then it came to pass in verse 9 that when Moses entered the tabernacle, now, now watch this, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. How many are looking for the miraculous and the wonders to take place that bring glory to God. Come on. Because I believe the same God that took Elijah up in a burning chariot. <laughs> Come on. 
And I believe that the more we live consecrated lives, set apart, hearing the heart of God and the mind of God, the more He's going to be able to begin to open you up to the supernatural activity, the things that He's doing. Because there's one thing that you cannot explain away. From the very first word to the last word, He is a supernatural, miracle-working, wonder-working God. He did it in and among and through His people for Him to get glory. And it came to pass, verse 9, that when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and He stood at the door. The glory cloud, guys, there was a glory cloud that would stand around the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And... Uh, and all the people rose and they worshipped each man in his own tent door. I'm thankful for the residue of the glory of God that goes out, that still draws men to Him, that they can, that they can, that they can experience the glory of God. Amen. But watch this. This is so good in verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend. God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then he would return to the camp. Watch this. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I'm talking about consecration. I'm talking about a people that are set apart. I'm talking about God called Moses because He knew Moses' heart and He lived a consecrated life. And God began to speak to him and use him and lead the people through him. And then now here, He establishes this tabernacle far outside of the camp. And He'll go in there and He begins to worship in the glory cloud of God that is tangible by the natural eyes can be seen by all the people around and they begin to bow down on their knees and worship they can feel what's happening they can see the anointing and the glory of God upon Moses but then there was one young man that he saw the glory cloud in the tabernacle and he didn't spectate at the side at his own front door at his own place of comfort but he said I'm going to get in there Come on, because whatever God's got for Moses, God's got for me. And when Moses would go in and the glory cloud would come, and Moses would communicate, and he would talk to God as a man talks with his friend, man. How about we just not overcomplicate it? I need help, God. <laughs> That's how I talk to my friends. Like, I did something dumb. Like, God, help me. Whatever that it is. But can you, are you guys, are you tracking? I feel like I'm, shoosh. Oh. But I, I read that because I was getting down to the next few verses where Moses' his heart was, God, don't make us go if we got to go without you. Don't let me go. Don't make me go without you. Show me your glory. And you got the promises, the, pres the presence of God. I was getting there, and then I got to verse 11, and I'm like, Joshua didn't leave. Joshua 
spent the time in the place and He paid the cost in that place, in that tabernacle for His next assignment to be leader of Israel to lead the people into the promised land. But it was the preparation and the cost that He paid by saying, I am not leaving this tabernacle until I get what God's got from me. (laughs) Come on. How about some determination? How about people that are putting themselves at a place just to say, God, have Your way in me. I surrender all that I am. All that I have to You, I give it to You, God. So good. Don't settle for what other people have settled for. Because that will be easy. Because then we're not paying a cost higher than anyone else. But I believe that God is looking for a remnant that's not settled what other people are settled for. He's going to raise them up. It's going to be a, 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 a lion roar. Come on. It's going to be a set apart, consecrated life that's the anointing of God and the glory cloud is going to begin to cover them. It's going to be a tangible glory presence of God in and on and through their life as they put themselves in position for God. Come on, guys. Isn't that good? Dig yourself in, man. Stay in His presence. Just like, just like Joshua did. Stay, stay in His presence. Now I want to I fast forward. Now I'll have to finish because I'm out of time, but this will be just fine. Um, turn in your Bible to Joshua now. So just, just go, go back a few more books there and get into Joshua. We'll finish with this. And um, we'll go up. Just going to let the Lord... Let this word just grow in us. And, uh, Joshua chapter one. <clears throat> now, and then we'll come back to the importance of consecration and being our part and God doing His part. So let's, let's wrap this thing up. Let's land this bird. Joshua one one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all the people, uh, to the land which I'm giving uh, to them, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon them, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this uh, Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, Joshua shall be your territory. It's amazing how much your territory will begin to expand when you lay your life before the Lord. But expansion will not come without consecration. So verse 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Uh, verse um, <clears throat> verse 6. I'm going to go down through 9. So be strong and of good courage, uh, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong, be strong, be courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from them, Joshua, to the right hand or to the left. You've got to stay consecrated. You've got to stay set apart. You're going to get distracted. There's going to be other people that aren't going to pay the same price that you're going to have to pay, Joshua. 
So listen, stay strong and stay courageous and watch me expand the things in your life. Verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And I have, I, I have not commanded you, be strong of good courage, and do not be afraid, nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that powerful, guys? Now, I just want to say something about this real quick, but watch. Joshua's... Joshua's lifestyle of consecration put him in position for God to work in and through his life. But when you look at this scripture, it's pretty powerful because the prosperity, the prosperity and the success was God's responsibility. Joshua's prosperity, his victory, and his success was all God's responsibility. Joshua's responsibility was to give God his yes and to live a consecrated life. Consecration was Joshua's responsibility. Joshua, don't let my word depart from you. Meditate on my word day and night because it's living. Obey my word in all that I command you to do and don't waver to the left or to the right. And then, everybody say then. So everything was dependent upon Joshua's consecration. And then as you live this life, I'm going to expand you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be successful. People are going to see favor upon you and they're going to know it's coming from me. Isn't that so good? Never be ashamed to show off God's favor. Like what He blesses you with, the success in it, the favor in it, and, and, and we understand that it all comes from Him, let God get glory out of that. Come on, testify over that thing. Shine those wheels up if you need to. Let everyone know that every good and perfect thing comes from above and that He's your provider. And then you let Him know about your lifestyle. Everybody good? All right. Chapter 3, last passage. God's called Joshua. He's anointed him. And uh, so many things happening right here with, with, Rahab, with Rahab and hiding the spies. And, and, uh, but I, I just wanna, we're going to close with this. I'm going to get to this one spot, okay? Joshua 3. You guys got it? Um, verse 1, Then Joshua rose early in the morning. <clears throat> And they set out from uh, Acacia Grove, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and he lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was that after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, pay, pay attention to this verse here, um, when they, they commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when you see the presence of God coming, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Everybody say, go after it. 
Set out and go after it. Verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may uh, know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Okay, here's, here's where we're landing, my verse for today. And then in verse 5, Joshua now, he speaks up as the leader. And Joshua says to the people, guys, sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. This is so powerful. This is how Joshua addressed the people as he was preparing them to cross the river and get into the promised land. This is his, this is his first command as, as the leader of the children of Israel. And he looks at them there at this place and he says, guys, consecrate yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Get yourselves set apart. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. It's, it's Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. You should make a note of it. Keep yourself familiar with it. Because I love this verse because it clearly outlines our part of the process and God's part. And guys, too often we enthrone ourselves because we try to do God's part. It's just easy to get there sometimes because we all think He needs us. God, let me help you out right now with what's going on in the government in case you missed something. I'm sure that you need my thoughts. Moses opened up his mouth. These people are about to walk across this river after all of these years, after all the years of slavery, after all the years of wondering. They're about to step in to wonder. And Joshua said, guys, tonight, consecrate yourselves. Purify yourself. For tomorrow, 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 God's going to do wonders among you. I just say this. Our part, our part is consecration. In position for what God's going to do in and through you this year, in, in life in this church, in life through you, um, in every area, corporately, individually, e- each of your ministries, whatever that it is, it's all going to flow out of our position with God. And there's a cost to the anointing. I believe I'm looking at a group of people, and I know this house enough to know that we're a house that's willing to pay a high price for a high anointing. Come on, somebody. Consecration, this is our part. We make ourselves available as living sacrifices. We, we compose our hearts and minds to hear from God and to obey. Isn't that good? And I'm going to have Craig come. And I'm just going to pray over us. Uh, this, this Scripture, Joshua 3 and 5, um, Paul's urgency to the church to present their body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, which is our reasonable act of service. For us to begin to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we begin to think the way that God thinks. Paul 
Paul Paul had a renewed mind because through the process of his obedience and consecration, things of the world stopped becoming valuable to him. And the only thing that became valuable to him were the things of the kingdom of God. Even his own life. Come on. That's dethroning. I'm just asking God, what's this look like in my life? What's this look like with, in my life with, with the things that you've called me to enjoy, that you've gifted me to enjoy, uh, hobbies that I enjoy doing, riding my motorcycle, bu- uh, buying a new motorcycle, and, all, and whatever. Enjoying time with my kids, enjoying fellowship time with my church family, enjoying time with my wife. You know, some, you, you young moms, that, that, like, that, that, that diaper's not going to change itself. Like you just can't go lock yourself into a prayer closet and be there for 24 hours and never come out. Like you're going to be get in trouble if you do that. So what's it look like, mom? What's it look like for you, young moms? You know, taking care of these kids and, and your husbands and Lord help you, be with you, grace you. What's it look like? What's it look like for some of you guys that are working, working uh, 50, 60 hours a week, man, just working hard. You know, it's just a season that you're in and you're draining. You wake up, you can't get up early because you're already up early. Like you get up at three already to go to work. So what are you going to do? Just not get up? You hear other people say, man, I get up at, I get up at five and I get my coffee and then I spend an hour and a half with the Lord. And, and sometimes we look at that scenario and we're like, I can just never really get where they're supposed to be because I, I can't do that. So they're just going to be more spiritual than I am. Come on, man. Let's just, this isn't a competition thing. God's just interested in your heart. He just wants you. He just wants you to stay in the tabernacle, Joshua. Like when everyone else is leaving, it might just take you one moment to say, I'm just not ready to go yet, man. I just need to stay here until I feel like I get what I need to get. I just got to be in prayer a little bit longer. I just got to be in the Word a little bit longer. I just need to worship just a little bit longer. I'm going to keep at this thing, man. And then through the process, we kind of learn to do that as we're working and, and doing things and taking care of our home and our marriages and our chores, you know? Like, let's, let's not make it some big mountain that we can't get to. It's like, because, because I'm the pastor, like, like I'm not the only one now, guys. I can go up to Mount Sinai. I don't have to go up there and hear for you. I mean, I do. But you can go too. You don't have to. You don't have to wait down at the bottom for the residue of God's glory. Like you can get your own glory. Go get your own glory. Go get your own anointing, guys. But I'm going to tell you, most people don't carry it because they're not willing to pay the cost for it. Because the truth is, I'm going to mess this up. Probably, salvation is free. To us, not to him. But we are saved by grace through faith. And people live in that spot right there so often their whole life's just waiting to get to heaven, just holding on, just getting by, just getting by on their traditions of how they was raised or this or that. And it's just, you know, process, 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 process. Man, God, I believe God wants to do something wonderful in you. I believe God wants to do the miraculous in you. But the anointing in intimacy and maturity comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of pursuit and it comes at the cost of consecration and being set apart.
you're about to step into a new land. God's about to part that river. And you're about to step into it. You're about to experience wonder. So today, consecrate yourself. Get yourself ready for tomorrow. God's going to do wonders in your midst. How many are ready for some wonders? How many of you are willing to pay a price for the anointing? How many are willing to pay a price and a sacrifice for the glory of God to fall? For the anointing to be so tangible in your life that as you talk to people, there's just the Holy Spirit penetrating conviction, piercing fire that you spent years talking to this person thinking they're never going to change, but you've done it. You've done it through yourself. You can't do anything wonderful. Only God can do wonder. But He'll do wonder through you as you position yourself for His wonder. Then all of a sudden as you're walking in this way, come on, man, and you've consecrated yourself, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to anoint you afresh and anew. Now all of a sudden words that come out of your mouth are like, a, are like an iron sword that can pierce and break everything that's been holding it back. Now all of a sudden, where there wasn't any emotion, now emotion starts to come upon their face. You know what God did today? He didn't point out where you're not. He just pointed out where you can go. That's the goodness of our God. Amen? He's like, ah, it's okay. But now let's go. I got wonders for you. I'm going to do wonders for you. I'm going to open up. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. And <clears throat> you know, we're in this position of 21 day consecration, setting apart this fast. And, but sometimes it's important to do some things publicly. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to give the invitation right now. Um, consecrate yourself. I'm going to give you the invitation right now to make room for God to do supernatural things in your life. And if you know that there's things, and it might not be sin, it just might be uh, uh, anxiety or worry or fear or unforgiveness or bitterness, but I just think, come on, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. You're going to see the wonder. Hey. So, as a sign, if you just want to come and step and you can stand at this altar, then I'm going to pray, or you can come and kneel and lay it down. But I, I invite, I, I open up the altar right now for you to come and, and do that if you, if, you, if you feel led to, just to come and just say, God, I'm releasing, I'm consecrating, I'm putting myself, I'm getting in the, I'm getting in the tabernacle with you and with Moses and I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing. I'm dethroning. I'm what I'm. I'm just stepping out. And I'm just. I'm dethroning God. I'm dethroning. It's like like I'm. I'm stepping into a place of being strong and courageous. And but I know God that the success and the favor and the victory, and and everything God is going to come from me from consecration. It's going to from me being set apart. It's going to come from me dethroning myself and enthroning you in every area of my life. So I just step out in this, God. I step out into it right now. Position yourselves. 
offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto you, God. It's a reasonable act of worship. I pray right now, God, for the transforming of my mind that I may know your good and perfect will. Lord, I just pray right now for the transformation of their minds. I pray for the transformations of their thoughts, transformations of their desires. I pray I pray for Holy Spirit revelation, revelation of the Lord into new things, into new depths, God, for your kingdom and for your glory. We just thank you for this time, God. We thank you for your gentleness, God. We thank you for your gentleness and for your gentle correction. And sometimes, God, just shining the light, God, not on our faults, not on our failures, but where we need to go, God. And so, God, I just, I just agree with every man and woman that stepped forward this morning, that just raised up. They just took this, this prophetic step and they said, I'm stepping into consecration. I'm stepping into being set apart, God, for you. I'm, gonna, I'm all in, God. I'm all in today, God. I'm all in. I'm all in. All that I am. I'm like, I, I, I want to I be like, uh, like Apostle Paul, God. That, that Lord, I, I, out of everything I'm losing and that I've lost, I count everything rubbish, God. Like nothing matters to me more today, God. Everything's rubbish compared to knowing you as my Lord and Savior, God. Lord, let it burn like fire in my heart. Turn me away from everything that's not of you, God. Let my worship, let my heart, let all that I am be surrendered to you and let it be pleased. And I just say, yes, God, you have my yes. You have my yes. And God, I just declare over this whole congregation... The remaining 21 days of this fast be a supernatural. That it be awakening. That it be revelatory. That you set them free. I pray that it's reflective. I pray that they begin to see themselves as in a mirror, God. And that you can begin to reveal things that they might not see themselves, God. Or whatever that it is that you want to be removed, God. That Lord, this is a season of breaking off and breaking free. And ultimately, God, we just cry out. As Moses cried out, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Let your glory rest upon me, God. And I say to you, consecrate yourselves. Get yourself set apart. And tomorrow, He will do wonders among you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 Bless you. Love you all. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.